very nautical day today in our readings. I feel like I should have a pirate hat instead of a Beretta. Uh, and it, it continues later, we get to sing the wonderful uh, Navy hymn at the end of the service. It's always a favorite. Water figures very, very prominently in the Holy Scriptures. It's uh, something we take for granted every day, something that uh, we feel like uh, we have tamed. You know, it's just as simple as turning on a faucet in your house or in your you know, kitchen or bathroom or outside. It's just always there. We can easily go in our community to any number of beautiful lakes to enjoy the scenery or have some time for recreation and fun. We're reminded sometimes, though, of the great power of water when we have experienced great storms or uh, I was just hearing stories the other day about uh, a few years ago here when the dam broke and the entire East Village was flooded. We also have, of course, stories of hurricanes and shipwrecks even today. So water is essential to life, but it is immensely powerful powerful force of nature. It's referenced over and over again in the story of creation. Also, of course, water figures into the chiefest of all of our sacraments, baptism and the Holy Eucharist. Baptism, obviously, because we have the font filled with water, and the child or adult comes to that font and is covered in that water of baptism whereby symbolically we go down into the water and we die and we come back out a new person. Also symbolic of Jesus going into the tomb and rising again, as we uh, referenced in the gospel hymn today. Water, of course, figures also into the Holy Eucharist, and you might not uh, see it as well as you do or hear it as much as you do in a baptismal service, but Uh, and you probably know this, but there are two cruets up at the altar when uh, we celebrate the Holy Eucharist. One contains wine and one contains water. And that wine and that water symbolize the blood and the water that poured forth from uh, from Jesus' side when the centurion stabbed him with the spear at the end of the crucifixion just to make sure that he was dead. And so those two elements are mixed together. And there is a priestly prayer that you don't hear as well when the priest mixes the wine and the water. And in the prayer, the priest asks that God would vouchsafe to allow us to partake of his divinity who deigned to partake of our humanity. And so in the mixing of the wine and the water, we mix divinity and humanity. And it's another very visceral symbol of Christ coming among us as one of us, yet being God. And though we are human, him giving us a little bit of that divinity inside of us each time we receive Holy Communion and as well through the gift of his Holy Spirit. So water, water everywhere throughout the scriptures. And in today's gospel reading, we have this story of Jesus and the disciples going out onto the sea. Um, you'll remember in recent weeks 
There have been stories of Jesus being surrounded by great crowds, so great that they could hardly move, and being extracted from the crowd in various different ways. And today, he decides, We're just, let's get in the boat and go and leave these people on the shore. So he and the disciples get in the boat, along with several other boats, and they set out. And now I imagine from reading this that he was utterly exhausted. And so he goes down to the stern of the boat. I don't know how big of a boat it was, if it had sort of decks or was just completely open. But anyway, he's in the stern on a cushion, and, you know, it just doesn't sound like the most comfortable place. Yet he falls asleep. Not only that, but while he's asleep, a great storm arises. And the men on the ship are scrambling to try to keep it afloat. It's being tossed by the wind and the waves. The waves are crashing over into the boat so that it's beginning to take on water. And it looks as though they've met their fate. And yet Jesus sleeps. And so they panic and do what I imagine I would have done. Wake him up. And... uh, being not a, uh, not a really big morning person myself, I sort of read into this passage a, a sort of grumpy Jesus as he was rudely awakened by his apostles. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And so he woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And then when the wind ceased, he said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were amazed at what he had done. So this is yet another story of yet another near-miss shipwreck in the Bible. We know, of course, about the story of Jonah when he was trying to run away from God and not go and do what he was supposed to do in Nineveh. He got on that ship and a storm came up and eventually he was tossed overboard. And the storm ended and he wound up in the belly of the fish. We know about other shipwrecks in the Acts of the Apostles. Paul was shipwrecked. But this particular story, of course, involves Jesus himself. And these short-sighted, panicky disciples. Now, what does this mean for us? This is a great story. It would make a great, uh, some sort of, screenplay or something like that. It would be great for a scene in a movie. Um, Stormy waves, a ship rocking, men trying to get the sails just right to save their lives, and then all of a sudden a miracle. That's a great story. But what's the deeper meaning in this? Why are we still telling this story? Because I always say that miracles are two-sided. They're great for the people for whom they happen right then and there in that historical moment. But that moment ends, those people die, and it's then just a story. But we keep telling it because it has something to tell us about God and eternity and grace. So, yes, these gentlemen were in an actual boat, in an actual storm, on an actual sea. But for us, you could possibly be in a ship that's having trouble. I hope not. But throughout life, this journey of life, we're oftentimes tempest-tossed in our own 
ships. We oftentimes see the dark clouds coming in. We feel the waves rocking. We just want a peaceful, expedient journey to the end, whatever we have our eyes focused on, whatever our personal goal is. But oftentimes, things happen that make us go on a little detour. And we panic because we are unsure of what the outcome is going to be. We're unsure how it's going to affect us. We're unsure about whether are, are we going to be safe? Are we going to come through this? We're often faced with challenges when we, are, um, when we have new things come around in our lives, when we have new ways of living, new people come into our lives. It often shakes things up, and we're not sure where to go, who to talk to, who to trust, uh, you know, how things are all going to fit together. And so we panic and retreat into ourselves and wring our hands and and try to do all sorts of things and lose sight of the passenger who is always with us in our ship of life, no matter if we uh, care to realize it or not, and that is, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord walks with us day by day and is with us to guide us and comfort us. And so whatever we're facing, as uh, St. Paul said to the uh, Corinthians. He has commended himself to them in every way through great endurance and affliction, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, all because he had faith that Jesus was with him. He had no regard really for his own safety or well-being. Not that we shouldn't have those things or be responsible or take care of ourselves. But we should be reminded of these great examples of people going into the world and doing the work of God, allowing God to work in their lives, and letting the worry and the frustration and the fretting sort of fall away. Because all, that, all those are, are shackles to us. Again, prudence, wisdom, planning are not bad things. Avoiding almost certain risk or certain trouble is not a bad thing. But there is a certain holiness in giving over to God our fears and frustrations and frets that we let build up inside of our hearts. And so we need to be honest with one another about those things and live together in a holy community the way God intends, with mutual support, equipping one another for the work of God. So as we go forth in this journey of life, as our boats are rocked from time to time, let's always remember that he is with us. He walks with us. He abides with us. And he has given us the great gift not only of eternal life through the gift of himself, but also has equipped us to face any challenge, to be his holy people, to be a royal priesthood through sending us the power of his Holy Spirit through Pentecost, into which we are grafted by baptism. And And so when we receive communion today and every time we do, 
remember that that is a visceral, physical way for you to be reminded that Jesus is always with you. The power of Christ is always with you. And whatever storms life sends our way, we will weather. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.